Welcome to the comic trope. We're in a very small room, comrade. Lots of red sickles everywhere. Very good. We will also talk about comics. So get ready. It will be wonderful. Why are you dragging? <laughs> you slowly became a Jewish New Yorker. It's so hard. <laughs> Why are you starting out very much why, like? Why are you counting Dracula von Finkelstein? Like what? Everyone, it's going to be great. We're going to talk about comic books. Just, just sit on your tuchus. Here we go. The comic trope, you can't not be offended. Yeah. We, who have we not offended yet? Uh, oh. we, we've gone after uh, Asians and... Uh, gone after uh, the Native <laughs> I'm just going to leave the room. I want nothing to do with Have we insulted the whites in mass yet? Like, nothing insults the white people. You can't... Everything offends them and yet nothing that, offends Donald them. Donald Trump is proof that nothing offends white people. That's like the icing of white privilege is that nothing offends you. <laughs> The cake is all the other stuff. Let's talk about movies. <laughs> Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about an amazing movie that has come out called X-Men Apocalypse. I feel like amazing is giving it way more credit than it deserves. Uh, if you're familiar with Brian Singer's previous X-Men work, which is literally like every X-Men movie that's been made except for uh, X-Men United at this point. Uh, what, uh, X3 and uh, First Class? That wasn't him. Who he produced it? Uh, Matthew Vaughn. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, and that's probably why it's so great. And not a knock against you know Singer specifically, but he's he's a little cheese. He's uh, he's got a little bit of cheese to the way that he, he he directs them. And I, for for the record, you know, I really enjoyed uh, and have enjoyed several of the movies in the the X Men film series. But I think what this movie solidified for me, you know. Um, above anything else is, is that I'm kind of glad that they don't have X-Men, that Marvel doesn't have X-Men currently to do films on. One, we would have never had Deadpool, which is one of the, which is the bright spot of the universe when it comes to the Fox's uh, mutant cinematic offerings, right? Uh, but the other thing is, I just, there was a point, and I, 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 you know, working in a comic book store in the early to, you know, mid-2000s, where I, like, could not have given less of a shit about Wolverine and the X-Men. He was in every book. He was an Avenger. He was on every single X-Men team. He was on X-Force. He was on Alpha Flight. Like, if there was a book that they could have shoved him into, they did. He had an origin story, a death story, an old man story, a young man story. Like, everything they could do was to put Wolverine everywhere. And yes, they shove him into this film as well. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is better off. And since we're going to be talking about both Civil War and... Apocalypse. I feel like they're better off without it because I don't want to see them have to deal with the bloat that that's, that the X Men and the mutants have kind of taken on. If they could pick and choose, I would have preferred to see you know um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver be mutants, for instance, in the MCU. But for what it's worth, man, like I'm now I've heard that their Quicksilver is head, hands mm-hmm. hands over feet. What is that saying? Head over tails. Oh, I heard that ass over teacups. <laughs> ass over teacups. I heard that their <laughs> Quicksilver way better than the one in the Avenger movie. I mean, that's, I guess, I really like the Quicksilver. He's actually the bright spot of this particular film. Um, he has a show-stealing uh, piece or scene, just like he did in the previous film. Um, 
but it's and it's it's probably the best part of the film. And he's great. I mean, he's a great actor. I like him in general. Um, having been forced to sit through almost every season of American Horror Story with my girlfriend, um, he's he's one of the better parts of that show. That's right. He is in there. Yeah, he's really good in like the first season too. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good in pretty much any season he he's appears a in. Creepy, creepy dude. Yes. Cool. Uh, and good as a, a Quicksilver. Uh, but am I not mistaken? Hadn't they cast? Who would play Scarlet Witch in the Fox run of movies, and just she's never appeared? Didn't they at one time have somebody they were thinking of? I thought that they tried to cast her, but then didn't get approval. Didn't get the rights to her. They definitely have the rights to her because she's a mutant, so they have the rights to every one of those characters by default. Well, he's got a little sister. Yeah, yeah but she's like real little. Yeah, Aren't they yeah. twins? Yeah, they're supposed to be twins. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe that was the agreement they came upon. Was that hey? You guys get Scarlet Witch. We'll take we'll take Quicksilver, and then we'll kill him. Because I mean, what uh, I think under the X Men, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were bad guys, but they they're known more for being Avengers than anything. Yeah, so. I mean, they definitely are. Um, and I'm, I have to wonder, like maybe they killed Quicksilver off in the Avengers film, so that there wouldn't be the confusion yeah. between the two. Is that we don't want you to think about those other films. Um, but again, I, for me, you know, just. That whole thing seems very bloated. There was a point in this film where I'm like, really? How many times have we forgiven Magneto for killing how many millions of people at this point? Well, that happens in the comics, too. Come on, I mean... It does, but he's usually... like In this one, you know, and I... Spoilers, sorry, guys. Uh, like, the end, he and, like, you know, Charles, like, shake hands. He's like, well, off to start a new life. Every fucking X-Men movie ends with Eric going out to start a new life. And we just were like, that's fine. I mean, you kind of saved some people, even though you killed a million. It's like, whatever. <laughs> well, it kind of sucks because Magneto's been the villain for like three of Brian. Well, I'm not Brian Sears, but three the three X Men movies, other than these latter ones. I mean, yeah. he's been interval, but it's like they just cannot let that character go. Yeah, we can use a different bad guy. Bring back, bring Zorn into it. Yeah. Or, uh, well, there's a there's a there's a stinger at the end of this film that reveals who the next villain will be in the next film. I heard about that. Yeah. And he is one of my favorite villains but in the Marvel universe. He's even more ridiculous looking than Apocalypse, though. <laughs> yes, but he is obsessed with X Men um, to the point where he clones. So Brian them. Singer's gonna play him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I haven't seen the movie, and I probably won't because of the horrible reviews until... Uh, home video. Home video. Home Same thing with Batman. Go see on tape. I'll say this. I know at the end of the movie, they're, they're in their like, comic book you know, accurate co- uh, costumes. Is that How good are the costumes? Because I'm tired of like the black leather. Oh, it's black leather. Yeah, but I'm saying at the end, I mean, I've seen pictures. Like Scott's got his little Y-shaped... Whatever the hell that is, he wears on his chest and, and such. I mean, they have like they get flight suits from Alkali Lake Base. That's what yeah. they end up in fighting in throughout the, the, but at the, the end, end of the movie. At the end of it, when they show them in Danger Room, yeah. which is cool. That's also one of the best parts of the film is they show Danger Room, yeah. um, which is great. Uh, it's like they, you know, the Cerebro gets destroyed at one point in the film. So like at the end of the film, they're like, "What are we gonna fucking replace it with?" <laughs> Danger Room. Um, but Sentinels walk through the wall essentially as like the tiles flip around. Yeah, um, cool. It's, I mean, that's probably one of the baddest ass scenes. But you know, as far as the series is concerned, Fastbender's done, McAvoy's done, uh, Lawrence is done because they all had three picture deals. Okay. And Jennifer Lawrence is probably the largest, the the biggest female. I want to say largest because I'm not trying to offend her because you're beautiful girl um, if you listen and you're not but if you are uh, 
the uh, good old purple nurple. Holla at your man Dave. Hey, holla at your boy, smiling Dave. Um, <laughs> she's she's probably the biggest female actress in the world right now. She doesn't have to do this bullshit. She can do anything that she wants. So I really feel like, and they're not going to sign back on. I mean, all three of them have said as much. Oh wow! I thought um, Fassbender and McAvoy were coming back at least. Yeah, their 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 contracts are done, and I've not heard any interest from them wanting to, to come back. So so let's do let's do an X Men movie without them. Like we don't need well, we X Force. Oh yeah, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> oh yeah. Hopefully, no. I will be brought on. To no, actually, I'm amped for the, I'm amped at the idea of an X Force movie. I would love to see that. Who's in that? Who's in your X Force movie? Okay, now I remember when they talked about this initially. They wanted to do a five member team. Okay, so who's want... your five members, Sequoia? Okay, you have to have Cable. Yeah, you have absolutely. To. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Like it wouldn't be X Force without it. I know they've said as much. They want to have a little bit of the old team, the original, and a little bit of the uncanny X Force. But Cable, Domino, absolutely, um, Cannonball. No. Penance. (laughs) Shatterstar. Oh, God. Richter and Boom Boom. No. um, I feel like they'll... I I can only say Cable, Domino, and Phantom X. Those are my... I love Phantom X. Only if he he gets to bring his girlfriend slash spaceship along with him. Yes, yes. Was it Ava? Oh, man. No, I haven't read any of this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've never read any of it. Phantom X is a hilarious character that is occasionally badass and then just hilarious. And he rides around in a spaceship that is also his girlfriend. So okay. do we fight Magneto or Strife? Strife? Because <laughs> it's got to be Strife. I, listen, I think Magneto's got to be the villain. <laughs> no. No. I'm, I'm totally kidding. It's because we just had this conversation. About him being <laughs> shoehorned into every time. So let's roll into um, a movie that we liked so that we just don't talk about movies. Yeah. Um, Civil War. They pulled it off. Yeah. It's much better than the comic book, which wouldn't be hard to do, but it's, it's the reason it works is because there aren't any mutants. And it's because it's well, just 10 characters. And the bad guy, the antagonist... So good. A little underwhelming. A little. It's good he was underwhelming because because the whole idea was that he was setting everyone up and I really enjoyed it. Now, I I will say, I could have used some reference to his classic mask. Something. He could have been like going up the side of the mountain and Baron Zemo was wearing a ski suit that covered his face he had and like white feathers on the shoulder. Commando, so he could have like a little balaclava or however you pronounce that. Yeah. Something. Just yeah, something. Balaclava. Some baklava. Some baklava. Some baklava. Some delicious treats. Uh, so many great like one liners with Spider Man. Spider Man had like such a big part of that movie. It was weird. And I thought he did Everyone had equal shine in this movie. I was yeah. satisfied with that. And if this didn't solidify for me how amazing it is that the MCU has Paul Rudd as Ant Man. Yes. God. He's, he's Orange Slices. Oh my god. I laughed my ass. Asshole. When he hands the shield to Captain America and he's like, Mr. America, Captain, Captain, Mr. Just, just Captain's fine. <laughs> Mr. America. <laughs> Whatever the line is. I mean, he's, there's, and he, when he kind of like leans against the cell and goes to talk shit to Tony when he's in the gulag or whatever, and he's like, who, who are you? And he's like, I'm the, the, the big, and he goes and sits down. <laughs> 
No, that that was fantastic. And I mean, once again, it's kind of sad. I mean, this is sort of the last hurrah for that core group mm-hmm. of Avengers. I mean, from now on, I think we've got what Doctor. Sh- We're introducing a new wave of characters. You've mm-hmm. got Doctor Strange, Captain really Marvel, on. Black Panther. I think we're going to get a, a Ant Man sequel. Yep. Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, and yep. then. Everything's leading up to Infinity War. Oh my God, Thor and Hulk buddy bro movie. Yeah, you heard I'm about totally that, right? But but you've heard the story. Uh, Planet Hulk, Hulk Ragnarok is supposed to be a mixture of yeah Ragnarok and Planet Hulk. Somehow they're gonna be fighting in gladiatorial combat. Or I'm all or, about that, man. Like, I couldn't be more about that. That'll be interesting. Is Heimdall gonna be there? Because I need more Idris Elba up in my Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe life. <laughs> I think that that is a good transition into our next segment, in which we're going to rank what we've read. So we've done about five um, reviews, and we're going to keep a living spreadsheet online that you can find on our Twitter account, on our Facebook account, or um, somewhere else on the internet that we will tell you about at a later time. Grinder. And <laughs> what we have read. Why grinders? <laughs> we have read Moon Knight by Warren Ellis, Prophet by Brandon Graham, a few from Mark Millar here, Starlight, Civil War, and we are going to talk about Red Sun here in a minute, and then also Planet Hulk by Greg Pack. So let's do the easy part. And go ahead and agree <laughs> that Civil War has got to be on the bottom. Yes, yes. yes. Civil War is on the bottom. I don't even think we need to talk about it more than that. What I will say, and that I've said it multiple times before, is Civil War bad comic, but has created a lot of good comics out of it. Right. So maybe for future reviews in which we're talking about stuff... I would put that as a bar. The one great thing about Civil War is what has come after it, and I think yes. that it deserves credit for that. Yes, yes, it does. So there are definitely comics worse than that that we'll probably oh, review, yeah. but just not now. No. Now, out of what we have mentioned, what do we think is the best? Moon Knight. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't. That's a that's a knee jerk reaction for me. We read a Moon Knight book, right? So it's number one. I mean, there's not really a question about it. But in all seriousness, Moon Knight. Yeah, Moon Knight really. I mean, as far as what I want from comics right now, Moon Knight really scratched the itch. So. All right. So we're agreeing that Moon Knight is number one. Uh, my caveat on it being number one because I don't think it will stay number one. Sorry, Dave is that it is a glimpse into Moon Knight's world and we're given, what was it, six book run? We're given six issues, two of only which really tie in. First and last. Right? So it is a glimpse into a world and it's a fantastic run and I agree that we need to keep it at number one for what we have now, but... I can foresee that in the future being a tick against it for like a for a one shot run because it's really not telling a story. There's not like an arc or anything like that. Fantastic book though. Mm-hmm. Period. So what do we got left? We got Prophet. We got Planet Hulk. We've got uh, <coughs> Starlight. 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 So this is interesting because Starlight's probably gonna get my number two nod. See, I was going to say Planet Hulk for my number two because of how epic it was. 
<laughs> because of but me. Starlight was a much better story, and it didn't have much filler, did it? And it's kind yeah. of similar story. In that a, a person from Earth goes and basically has to com- like combat an evil person who's taken over a planet of, of other people. It is it is very similar. I think it was, this no one's ever said about this about Hulk before is that I think that Hulk is a more rounded character in Planet Hulk than well, it's like sixteen issues in Planet Hulk versus like the five. What is, guy from what's the guy from Starlight's name? Duke, Duke McQueen. Duke, Duke, Duke McQueen. I feel is a very flat character, whereas Hulk was not. I, yeah. He he went from someone who doesn't care about the people that he's around to becoming the king, falling in love. I mean, he he had a quadrant story. I'm not sure that Duke McQueen did. Yeah, that is probably one of the shortcomings of Starlight is that. You know, you're supposed he's a to serial believe character, huh? He's a serial character. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a, a not a parody, but he's a analog for Flash Gordon yeah. Buck Rogers. But you know, he doesn't really have an arc mm-hmm. per se where he grows or he learns something. It's more about the people around him learning learning about him. About him. Yeah. Um, well, I, I take that back. No, he does go from being a sad old man at the beginning to a to happy old back man. In control of his destiny. Again. Yeah, but you know, I, I think Millar didn't really play up the, you know, man in his golden years aspect as far as, you know, like Dark Knight Returns where the whole way Batman's complaining about his arthritis or mm-hmm. back pain. I mean, there's none of like Duke is as capable in his sixties yeah. as he was in his twenties. So <laughs> So since we're talking about Starlight and we're talking about Planet Hulk, I think there we therefore we can assume that even though Prophet was a fantastic uh, first volume it wasn't. It doesn't really stand alone as a one volume. No, especially book. since it all, like after the first three issues, it just becomes something other entirely. So we can probably put it above Civil War, um, and at the moment, second to last at our our list. Profit was awesome. It was great, and I have got since we have reviewed it. I have read the second volume, and it gets much better. But as a one-volume book, I don't think it really holds up as well as what we've been speaking about. So now we're between Starlight and Planet Hulk for the number two spot. I'm going to go with Hulk. You're going with Starlight, uh, Dave. So, I mean, Hulk so, is definitely more epic. I mean, uh, if we're looking at it like from that perspective... Well, you can look at it however you want. I mean, for me, Planet Hulk was a slog to read. I enjoyed it, but I mean, I really... You know, offense, but there's nothing worse in this world than having to read some shit you don't want to read. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I said, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know. I, so you would put Starlight above it? I would put Starlight above Planet Hulk. Amos? <laughs> it all it comes down all to comes this. Down to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it, it then becomes tied. <laughs> no, it's, I, I was going to say But we're in Blake's house. So. Say Starlight? <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm Team Starlight. All right, so we're going to put Starlight second. So right now we have Moon Knight, Starlight, Starbright, <laughs> first star I see tonight, Planet Hulk, Prophet, Civil War. Alright, now what I would change about that, I would put Red Sun above Planet Hulk. Well, we haven't talked about... Well, I know, I know. So let, let's come back to this list after we go through Red Sun and place it. Alright, alright. Is that fair? That's fair. And... Could there be a better segue into our discussion? We are going to discuss 
Hredson. <laughs> what? 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 I like how the he's brushing Don Quixote down. Something new. He starts pretty solid, and then he, he became like a Frenchman. The Hredson. Hredson. So. <laughs> the the best Russian accent of all time, I think we can all agree, is from the movie Triple X, where that guy goes, Now the business is concluded. We party. <laughs> Bitches come. And like the trap door opens up and like scantily clad women climb out of it. <laughs> now the business is concluded. We party. Now that the business comes, bitches come. We part. <laughs> I, I always like, I must break. No, I will break, I will break you. you. <laughs> I will break you. I don't read much Superman. I was very delighted with this book. Koya, tell me why this book was written and, and what you know about it. Well, supposedly this was an idea that Mark Millar formed when he was a small child, and it was based around an uh, issue of, super, I don't remember if it was Superman or Action Comics, but the whole idea, you know, back in those, in the Silver Age, a lot of those Superman stories were what-if stories. Yeah. And the premise was that instead of Superman's rocket ship landing, in the U.S., it landed in international waters, and basically you had two governments trying to scramble yeah. to get to the ship to claim whatever was in it. So he kind of ran with that idea, and he originally kind of formulated it back in 93. I remember reading an article in yeah, yeah, the with Johnson, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about this this work, and you know it came out a decade later. But uh, like I said, the concept's very simple. Um, it's one of uh, DC's Elseworlds yeah. line, which uh, is a imprint I miss a great deal. But the whole concept is real simple, and that's sort of how Mark Millar works. It's all about the big idea, the big concept. But instead of uh, Kal- baby Kal-El's rocket ship landing in Kansas, Kansas during the uh, late 1930s, it lands on a commune in communist Russia, and he is raised by... Uh, a group of laborers and it pretty much goes from there and he's the net becomes grows up to become the champion of uh, communism yes the face of Soviet not the american Russia. way but the russian way yeah. and we're given three comics uh, the first one's red sun rising the second is called red sun ascendant and the third is red sun setting um the way if you look at the first page of each comic they even they look like the first comic looks like it's being written in a like a golden age kind of way and then the second and third don't i thought that that eye to detail was pretty neat it it really felt like it was placed like where they should have been timeline yeah, yeah. and then and then just always presented was also uh, very similar to the timeline in which they're telling the story. I thought it was I thought it was cool. And a lot of that's due to Dave Johnson's art style. I mean, he really captures that Art Deco look um, of the '40s, um, late '30s and '40s. I mean, he, he catches it down to to a T. And Earl, I mean, he's he wears his visual inspirations on his sleeve because there are uh, in that first issue alone. I mean, you have references. Yeah. Well, first off, the covers. Are you know uh, reminiscent of World War II propaganda images? So he gets he nails that. Um, but then you have a lot of callbacks image-wise in the first volume alone to the old Fleischer Fleischer brother uh, cartoons. Mm-hmm. You have uh, callback to the um, original Superman television series with George Reeves. Um, 
So he really nails the time period that's supposed to this story is supposed to be taking place in. Um, and, and we'll get to this whole piece. But the other really great thing about this comic book is the really creative. Um, is application the right word? Creative use for Batman and Lex Luthor, which is something that I love this book incredibly well, is that they make total sense in this universe. They don't feel shoehorned into it because there needed to be other characters that would have been you know, similar, and he doesn't go much beyond that. I don't feel like any of the DC characters were placed just to be placed. Exactly. And I think that you could have easily done that. So kudos to that. Let's take this uh, comic... Um, comic by comic here without going page to page and kind of talk about what happens uh, so as you said Superman um, I don't think it's Russia but somewhere near there part of the Ukraine. Soviet Union Ukraine in the Ukraine, Ukraine. Uh, falls in the Ukraine and he doesn't just like the regular universe doesn't get his powers till he's 12 right or doesn't discover them um and then, so, at the time of the Cold War, Stalin finds him and brings him into his inner circle. We're introduced to uh, Lex Luthor, who is a super smart scientist and is married to Lois Lane, who is a reporter at the Daily Bugle. So, some similarities Daily there. Daily Planet. The, my Jewel bad. My she bad. with Peter Parker. My bad. Marvel got here. I'm trying. It's okay. all right. And Perry Jameson. I don't know much about Star Labs. I suppose that that's a very famous DC thing, right? Yeah, Star Labs is sort of the uh, super science think tank. I mean, yeah. whenever they need some smart people. Yes. Yeah. Well, it shows up. If you watch the TV show The Flash, it shows up a lot in there. <clears throat> so they find out about Superman. Um, and uh, they give Lex Luthor the job of figuring out how to kill Superman. Right. Well, basically, it's. The Cold War has been amped up because of this Superman that exists, uh, this man that can see through walls and bend still and shoot lasers out of his eyes, you know, so... And they treat him in much the same fashion they treat nu- we treated nuclear warheads. It's an impending threat and a doom at all times. Yeah. And that's pretty much who we know on America's side so far, right? Yeah, Luther is a scientist working for the U.S. government. We're introduced to Stalin's inner circle, and that would be his uh, illegitimate son, Piotr something. P- uh, Piotr uh, Roslov, which is an analog of Pete Ross from the original Superman comics. It was Clark Kent's childhood friend from uh, Smallville. Okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. Um, and... He is, of course, super jealous that Superman... Super jealous? <laughs> he is Superman jealous uh, that Stalin and Superman are best buds. Um, Superman is still presented in a very naive, uh, the best for the people. He's doing what he has grown up in the Soviet Union trying to do and be a champion of the, the farmer and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, this first comic book really shows... Superman in the kind of boyish idealistic yeah yeah well it's a great parallel to think too like how much of the Superman that we do know that we know so well was also you know born of same naivety right is that you know oh the American way and white picket fence and that you know he doesn't have much of an identity of of you know Cal L he's got the identity of Clark Kent and that's kind of what this toys with is that he's got his identity as a boy growing up in Soviet Russia as opposed to 
anything else that he might have known prior. We're also introduced to Wonder Woman at a dance in Soviet Russia, and uh, she is smitten with Superman, and Superman is not thinks of her as kind of like one of the boys. Yeah, he's still stuck on uh, his childhood love, who I guess is supposed to be a, a spin on Lana Lang. I, I forgot what her uh, she name was just is. yeah she was just Lana Latrovich. <laughs> Lana Latrovich. Close. <clears throat> so. Lex Luthor thinks of a plan after he's seen Superman interact a little bit and uh, calls up the president and says, hey, let's somehow get a satellite to fall somewhere in the U.S. Basically Sputnik 2. Mm. So that happens, and uh, Superman comes to save some people in the United States, saves people from getting crushed by this satellite, also sees Lois Lane. There's a little talk about them being attracted to each other and Superman saying, in another world, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, as I, that's the only forced part. That's the only part of this whole comic book that I felt that it was kind of forced. With the, 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 between the two of them? Yeah, and then the, the, the block, like, background story. Like, someone wrote a... Someone later would write a story about us falling in love. Oh, Why does fiction? Superman <laughs> sound so sleazy when you're a person? Look, how does it sound Russian anymore? <laughs> French, Scottish, Russian. Come on, guys. guys. Well, no, but that's the thing that this book tries to say, and that's something that happens in a lot of Elseworlds uh, uh, books that, you know, even though this much has been altered about the story, that there are some things that remain true to these characters. So... You know, the thing is with this iteration of Superman, you know, even though he represents, you know, communist Russia, he still is somebody who at heart wants to do the right thing and do right by right. the people. Exactly. You know, and uh, Lex Luthor, even though he's supposed to be this story's, and I say this in air quotes, protagonist, yes. he's still an egomaniacal asshole. I confess the Superman. And when we first right. get introduced to him, you know, he's playing chess against several opponents and learning like another language while at the same time reading a book like yeah, he's, he's doing the like yeah. hell he invented a Walkman in the 1940s yeah. you know <laughs> 40 years before it was ever supposed to show for, for breakfast yeah um alright so the reason that he, he has this Sputnik fall is that DNA sample is gonna make a Superman so that that's the idea um meanwhile meanwhile in Russia um Piotr, I think it's, so Piotr did poison him, right? Uh, yes, he, he poisons and kills uh, Stalin. Okay, so I, did they blatantly say that and I just missed it? No, but the, when they're having their conversation, you, it's pretty much inferred that uh, Peter uh, initiated it. And is that why he tried to shoot himself in the head? Or is that just that may very well be, yeah. Superman saves um, Peter from shooting himself in the head. Um... And then Stalin dies of cyanide poisoning. And uh, Superman is supposedly supposed to take over from Stalin. And he's saying no. Yeah, a lot of people want to put the power in Superman's hand because he's this you know, all-powerful champion. But he's taking the stance of just because I have these abilities does not necessarily mean that I'm meant to lead uh, everyone. So he's trying to refute 
But even Stalin in the book before um, he died was just talking about how he wanted to place Superman in a place of power. Yes. Right. Um, which <clears throat> Superman says, you know, that's not, you know, that's not Marxist communism. It's all about the average man. And I think the interesting dichotomy here is that there, when we're talking about communism and you have a super alien, there is no average man. Amos, talk to us a little bit about Bizarro Superman, and can someone explain to me if Bizarro Superman was really a character? What yes. is this? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if, you mean in the normal continuity? Yeah, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I didn't read any Bizarro... I mean, I, I, always, I thought it was a joke, honestly. I thought Bizarro Superman was a joke. It's you flew backwards. A joke. Okay, so what, at first it wasn't a joke, and now... It, it, and because it was so ridiculous, it became a joke. Is that what we're talking about? Well, it's all into in the portrayal because you know originally Bizarro was uh, an alien from a backwards world that mirrored Earth, but you know everyone was instead of saying "I love you," it's "I hate you." Instead of "Hello," it's "Goodbye," and their planet isn't round; it's a square, and you know they're just dumb as hell. And yeah, it kind of grew to become a joke, yeah. and it's been played comically, but. They kind of rectified the character, or, or uh, I would say Superman the animated series did a lot to to fix him. Where basically he's this bizarre, weird, twisted version of Superman. He's a clone created in normal continuity by Lex Luthor mm. to battle Superman. So he has his powers, although slightly warped. So they fight, right? They fight real hard. So. <laughs> Basically, in this storyline, uh, Lex Luthor has created uh, Bizarro. I don't. I don't think he refers to him as such. He no. looks like Chunk from. Um, <laughs> Not Chunk. He looks like uh, Sloth. 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 He looks yeah. like Sloth. Yeah. <laughs> Be great if Chunk was fighting uh, this fat little boy. Do the truffle shuffle. Right. So Sloth <laughs> Superman fights regular Superman and doesn't say much, right? He doesn't really. Do not and they're fighting in the Which UK. I'm not mistaken, does a sloth wear a Superman shirt? He does. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is actually sloth. Yeah, this is sloth. sloth. Yeah. Okay. If they fight, and Superman is kept. Te- it keeps on telling sloth to <laughs> Bizarro go home. Like, don't fight here in the UK. Right? They're in Great Britain. Yeah. All right. And. Where does this bomb come from? From the sky? Did I read over this too quickly? The uh, basically uh, the sub, the U.S. sub that was off the shore that you know is escorting Bizarro to uh, go up against Superman. It accidentally launches off a nuke. That scene is kind of strange because basically Superman punches Bizarro, and because he's such a powerful, irradiated freak of science or something, when Superman punches him, it's like he creates this weird effect. Yeah, it basically it, uh, it accidentally sets off Bizarro's x-ray vision, which kills the crew of the sub. It okay. irradiates them. This, so. Yeah, this, this whole thing totally confused me. Well, it's all like, it's not really explained. It's just like a panel. All right. Yeah. And this is what happened. And then, yeah, all of a sudden... Nuclear missile Weapons are, are falling in the UK. And Sloth, at that point... <laughs> figures out that Superman is right and that Sloth shouldn't be living and he should save. Well, when they're fighting in the streets, a lot of the people are, like, asking 
Russian communist Superman to save them from Bizarro because he's so horribly deformed looking that they assume that he's a monster. Yeah. He's a monster, and they're just like save us from this thing. And you know, when that happens, like he actually the, there's a panel where he has this really hurt look on his yeah. face. Yeah. Like, yeah, like he, he's kind of frowning and looks like he could cry. But they both see the 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 bomb about to uh, go off in the distance, mm -hmm. and uh, Bizarro freezes Superman and decides to go after the nuclear missile himself and sacrifices himself you know in sort of a suicide attempt because he's like yeah I'm a freak I don't deserve to live so sloth slash toxic avenger superman <laughs> soupsy soupsy saves all these people because he feels bad about being ugly shamed <laughs> yes basically they ugly sh they ugly shame him into committing suicide for Everyone else is good. His boys. <laughs> I think that that page honestly is like my favorite part of the of the story. Is Bizarro saying hello, everybody? Be very pleased to meet you as he sacrifices himself to save everyone. Much Just, to Luther's chagrin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was touching. As touching as Bizarro can be. Um, touching Bizarro. I thought I thought it was pretty neat, and uh, that's pretty much the end of the first uh, comic, right? And then he goes he goes back. Superman goes back to Russia. Yeah, and finds that perhaps the communist system doesn't work. That what Stalin had put in place, and basically he runs into his uh, his childhood. Sweetheart, that's uh, right. what, what, the redheaded girl from Lazarenko. That was her last Yeah, name. Lana Lazarenko, not Lana Lang. Lazarenko. <laughs> and basically, she's waiting in a, a, a line with her children, and they've been waiting all day to get food. And he's about to hook her up, and then everyone else is like, What about me? I'm starving too, Superman. And he's like, Well, there'll be bread for everyone. Just like that. Yeah, and basically he decides to give into faith and and take over as leader of the Communist Party. Because he, he believes at that point that he could do a better job. He right. can fix things. Giving the power that we possess as individuals to, to someone one else. person to that govern us all. Yep. As the great song says, baby, I can be your Superman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the next comic is Red Sun Ascendant, and this alternate 1978, things are a lot different than the first comic. Okay, because yeah, this one has more of a Silver Age feel, so... Yeah. Um, this John F. Kennedy is president instead of Nixon. Nixon was slayed. I don't know if that's yeah, even well, important. They're more or less switched. So it's yeah. like if Nixon had one in 1960, and then he was assassinated, and then Kennedy is the sitting president in the late 60s for some reason. And, and you get from this initially in, in this new book that um, Lex Luthor has teamed up with Brainiac, who somehow I guess at some point came to Earth and they've uh, they've shrunken uh, Stalingrad and mm -hmm. have it bottled in a way an attempt to try and destroy Superman. That was kind of neat. Well, yeah, it's a callback to you know Luther and Brainiac teaming up in the old '60s comics, and you know that's sort of what Brainiac's Shrinking known for. Metropolis, yeah, the bottled city of Candor mm -hmm. and that stuff. And Luther really turns up the jerk factor in this book. Jerk I mean, factor? He just does. Like, you know, he's starting to bald and pudge out a little bit. But now, has he left 
Um, yes, he's he's separated from Lois. So he's separated from Lois, but Lois didn't separate from him. Basically, it was his plan, Luther's plan to dedicate all his time to focusing. He becomes obsessed. Yeah, just, I mean, and just like regular continuity, Luther, you know, this becomes but his, he, his reason for living, essentially. But the reason he got mad was because Superman came over and beat him in chess. Like, that was the real reason he was mad, right? No, he, no, well, he was mad because Superman destroyed Bizarro. But he was mad also because Bizarro beat him at chess. So okay. basically, it's the, the thing that makes him decide that Superman, he can't have stand the idea of Superman being better to him, even as a clone version of Superman, an inferior clone. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to destroy Superman at all costs. So Soviet Union has grown without resorting to war. No poverty, no disease. It's become just like we communism promised what it would become, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and America, there's a lot of fighting, and the, there is... Um, a lot of bad stuff happening in general, a lot of poverty, and Superman robots are kind of police state, is his police state, right? Right, basically anyone who uh, uh, opposes Superman, he rehabilitates them with some kind of uh, cranial implant that makes them a robotic slave, which two things I'll point out, and this is me being a pedantic asshole, is one, that's a reference to Doc Savage, who used to rehabilitate his uh, his enemies with uh, cranial surgery back in the end, and Superman is a I guess derivative of Doc Savage, an old school pulp hero. And um, let me see what else. Also, two other things: Superman in the old you know Silver Age comics had robots that were sort of his attendants and helpers. You know they they were basically robotic. Uh, duplicates of himself to help fight crime and solve things that he couldn't take care of because he his time was yeah, splint everywhere. He couldn't be everywhere at once. And one other thing, because I'm such a jerk, is that the word robot is actually a Russian word. Yes. It doesn't mean, most people think it means like metal man or something. Robot just means worker or labor. Slave, essentially. Slave. Yeah. That's all it is. Robotnik, I believe, is the full word. I think that is correct. Yeah. That's very cool. So the more you know. <laughs> Superman and Wonder Woman have become a team. They're fighting together like brother and sister from Superman's standpoint. But um, it's very clear in hindsight as Superman is our narrator saying it's obvious that Wonder Woman wanted the uh, Superman love. Right, right. And uh, was, go on. And I was going to say, you find that despite all the prosperity that is... Uh, flowing throughout the communist nations uh, or communist territories right now that there's still a uh, faction of dissatisfied sorts who don't like the idea of uh, being governed by this all-powerful being an alien an alien yeah. essentially and that they want their free will back despite and, and that's where Batman comes in right we're introduced to Batman Batman who, and off Batman cough Batman and off uh, so Batman is Batman's character um, was a child when Peter P Peter Rossloff Peter Rossloff came in and shot his mom and dad. Right, right? Uh, and at this point, Peter is the head of the KGB. Mm -hmm. uh, Batman blew up a Superman museum or two. It's you know just regular terrorist. regular terrorist stuff. Yeah. and then we're introduced to the plot of or one of the plots of this comic, and Batman. 
uh, Peter wants to talk to Batman. Batman takes Peter into his caves and aligned with steel so that Superman can't hear. Peter says, hey, I've hooked up with uh, Lex Luthor, the American, and uh, we want to... Not the American. Yep. <laughs> We've got this planned to weaken Superman. We want you to do it. And Batman's like, why would I do that? And Peter's like, because you would much rather me be in charge and try to take down all of this instead of Superman. You know you can't take down Superman. And then Batman's like, okay, you got a point, but after this, I'm going to kill you. And Peter says, all right, whatever, make it happen. That's pretty much the, and, and, the shtick, right? And the thing I like about Batman in this book, because like I said, is that that's sort of a thing that pops up in a lot of Elseworlds books is that no matter how much a character changes at their heart, they're still the same. Yeah. And this version of Batman, even though he's not a rich, powerful, playboy billionaire, he's like a dirt poor, you know, laborer. Yeah. He still manages to kick ass as Batman. All his his, his gadgets and, and, and his outfit are all Constructed, his you know, from Yeah, like, you know, his Batman's, his batarang is sheet metal with, you know, weighted down with a nut and bolt. I mean, it's very, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but yeah, it's... it's and he's stealing stuff from the KGB. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's doing his own. Yeah. Uh, so Lex Luthor found an aircraft that is from uh, whatever home world, Superman's room, Kalal, what do you guys call it again? Krypton. Krypton. <laughs> Krypton. Come on. <laughs> I mean, when he says he doesn't read DC, he really kidding. fucking means oh, he does not read DC. Um... I mean, make fun all you want. I'm doing the best I can, guys, all right? <laughs> Is that, wait a minute, the, the, the Canadian Superman comics, was he from Cologne? You do know Can Superman's Canadian, right? And Stop. Like Siegel and Schuster? Yeah. They're originally from Canada. Yeah, but Superman isn't can Canadian. Wolverine is, all right? Well, guys? no, he just transferred over, that's all. <laughs> He's dead to us now. And right, guys? Jewish. Yes, he's dead to us. Seaman, <laughs> I think, was his original, but it didn't, you know. Seaman? Seaman, as you, as the Canadians <laughs> say it. Look right. up in the air in the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Seaman? <laughs> I hate being Canadian. Close your mouth. <laughs> All right. In this spaceship from Krypton... <laughs> <laughs> is something that we're presented with that will hurt Superman, right? Yeah, that's not what you think it is, though. It's not. We never get that. No, we never do. And I think it's okay. Um, Crypto who? So, we're at some kind of the Soviet crypto? party. Right. Um, and a big banquet being held in Superman's honor. Yeah, Superman's like, blah, 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 everyone loves me, whatever. Where's Wonder Woman? I'm concerned. And everyone's like, who cares? Party. And he's like, I care. And then he hears her, flies out to some snowy bank in Crimea or wherever it is, and there's Wonder Woman. Tied up with her own lasso of truth. Tied up with her own lasso of truth. Batman is there. And Superman's like, well, I'm going to go kill Batman, obviously. Obvi, I'm going to kill Batman. Flies up, and Batman's like, I got the dog. And then flips on a bunch of uh, red lighted, uh, red lights. Basically red lamps simulating the, um, what, the, the radiation from the red sun. Which 
basically robs Superman of his powers. And Batman proceeds to wail and upon he Superman. Shit out of Superman. <laughs> throws him in a bunker <laughs> in the snow. Like in yeah, under the, the snow. Basically they're at a gulag and he's forcing him to he's gonna imprison him as punishment for uh not so much for what Superman has done, but what the Communist Party has done to uh, certain individuals prior to Superman's reign. Basically, Batman and his... He's going to atone for the sins yeah, of all the Communist Party. He sees party. it as all bad. Um, which, my thing is, you know, it's awfully nice of Batman. Uh, <laughs> you know, going to prison. Always looking common man. Yeah, I mean, he, I guess he still won't bother to kill people. I mean, I figure that would be the only well, way. I mean, doesn't that go back to your point that a character stays the same no matter where he goes? But this is, yeah, this is a really interesting story subversion, right, is that he's a common man fighting the powers that be, as opposed to kind of being the high man on the totem pole fighting the underworld, right? Is that his his role has switched a little bit, yeah. and he's still got other people in mind. Right. It's just that his other people aren't like the good citizens of Gotham. They're the poor, the trampled, the tired, right? The people on the base of the Statue of Liberty, essentially. Same yeah. story between Batman and Superman, as always. They're fighting for the same people in different ways. Yeah, and this is a much better version of Batman versus Superman than that movie, so... Agreed. Um, and then, so Superman <laughs> screams out, and he's like, Save me, Wonder Woman! Save me! Whatever you can, please do it! So she breaks her lasso, and uh, something breaks in her head. But she breaks out the lasso, frees him, blows up, what blows up? Well, he not Red Man generators. And then he comes out, wails on Batman. Batman uh, suicide bombs himself. So Batman's dead. Batman guts everywhere. Pretty cool. Um, bat guts. <laughs> bat guts everywhere, all over Superman, and also all over a silver-haired, obviously aged Wonder Woman. Now, I don't know anything about um, her little whip that she carries around, but uh, <laughs> I can tell that it is somehow like connected to her being. Yeah, her, her lasso of truth is, is magical, so I guess by breaking it, she's broken whatever power it has. To stop her aging. Yeah, because, I mean, you notice in that panel, her bracelets, her gauntlets are on fire as well, so... It looks they look destroyed, so I guess magic has just totally left Wonder Woman. It's failed her, and as a result, she's uh, she's a wrecked individual. And I have to say, in this book, Wonder Woman is a character I like. They she's probably the worst portrayed in this story. Yeah, she really gets the shaft. I mean, for a few for a few things I don't like about her is that she's smitten with Superman. Wonder Woman is a strong female character. That's not necessary. I, I didn't care for that. Another thing I don't care... <laughs> we don't like strong female characters around the comic trope. <laughs> well, no. I, mean, I like strong female characters right. and she's not portrayed as one. Right. No, she's, not in this book. Yeah. Not at all. I, I and, understand that. And then also, um, just, she, she tries to save a man and because she saves a man, she then... Loses her power. I don't. I don't know. I, I feel guess. like it was sort of their way of just kind of writing her out of this book because you know Wonder Woman, and Superman. That's an unstoppable team. Yeah. You know, you put them together. But if it's just that's supreme power to us. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, it basically you know focuses everything solely on Superman, which is good. I mean, it's, it's his story. It's his story. Yeah. You know? So back in the U.S. at the tail end of this story, um, there is a. Another thing found, right? Right. A ring. 
Well, a crash spaceship. Crash. So it was a crash spaceship. The crash was spaceship. It the original crash spaceship that this stuff came from, or is it another? No, crash this stuff? is another one that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah, really cool and, tie-in for the fifties there. <laughs> yeah, and I um, love old Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, you find out He's in this like version. So yeah, Kennedy lives aged. on to be uh, president, and uh, he divorced. Jackie, uh, Jackie Kennedy yeah. and married Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, basically, you find out that the Americans had their own crash spaceship, and uh, it turns out to be Abensur's spaceship with Abensur's dead body inside of it, as well as his power battery and his power ring. And to wrap up this comic book, um, there's that. Batman became a martyr for his cause. Brainiac was reprogrammed into Superman's aid, so part of the Super Force or Superman yeah. robots. Um, and Superman constructed the Fortress of Solitude somewhere in Russia, Siberia. Siberia, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, he calls it the Winter Palace, and that is kind of all wrapped up in the last few pages uh, going into the next book, which is called Red Sun Setting. You know, before we get into this, what I will say about the the this last issue is that for me, it, it does a really great job of tying off a lot of the threads that we see started in the first two. Whereas some books like this, especially for a story that kind of gallivants all over history, you know, Forrest Gump style, um, in a way, you know, it, it a lot of times these things fall apart. The threads unravel, and you get to the end, and you're like, well, that book definitely started off, and it's some really great concepts, but it wasn't really able to come home. The ending of this book is incredibly powerful. It's 2001. Brainiac and Superman are pretty much um, tied at the hip. Uh, Brainiac says to Superman, come on, dog. Why don't you just invade them? And he's like, look at what's happening over there. I love there. Brainiac, guys. <laughs> I just like to imagine him. Come on, dog. <laughs> He's a pretty chill dude. Come on, dude. Yeah, they're over there. They're I hate that shit. Well, basically, <laughs> the majority of the world has become a utopia under so, Superman's uh, rule. Why not force them to become utopians as well? And uh, Superman's point is, look, I'm not, we're not going to force anyone. We're not going to kill anyone. This is without violence. Yeah. Look, they're doing it to themselves. But then... Lex Luthor becomes president. <laughs> His dream realized. So you find out that the United States has uh, gone through a civil war and uh, another Great Depression, mm -hmm. and basically he's able to uh, rebuild America, much like a uh, certain presidential candidate proclaims he'd like to do. <laughs> I'm not making comparisons, I'm just saying. <laughs> And, Lex uh, Luthor, make America America again. <laughs> With 50% less civil war. They, they, they kind of go a little bit deeper than I thought they would. They, they talk about how um, the United States is trading with itself, and that's how it pulled out of economic depression, like f farming and selling to other states mm -hmm. and balancing the budget a certain way. Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's... Again, it's, as far as explanations of, of turnarounds go, I mean, you could do a lot worse. The United States is a very big country, so, mm -hmm. I mean... It's not Russia big, but it's pretty big. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he turns everything around. In, a, in what, like a year and a half, everything gets better because of this guy. He's like, it's like, it's like what, 20-year gap mm -hmm. or something? Yeah. He's got time. Yeah. And 
the whole time Superman's like, you know, even America's kind of quiet. You know, I don't hear Lex Luthor trying to kill me. He must be just happy being president. Uh, we just find out that uh, Lex Luthor is able to tap into the Green Lantern force and go to, like, another dimension and train all of his soldiers there, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, we didn't talk much about Lois Lane, but in the last comic, she did end up becoming um, the editor in chief of the Daily Planet and she is getting ready to retire from the Daily Planet and just continue to only be the president's wife so first lady she stayed with him this whole time and she's having dreams of Superman in the clouds and I'm not really sure why that was a weird little sequence there uh, where she's just talking to herself on the rooftop of the Daily Planet about how she's dreaming about Superman saving her or whatever but Whatever. And then I do believe, really, the next thing that happens is that Lex Luthor just shows up in the Winter Palace, right? Well, I will will say this real quick. I do like how they introduce Hal Jordan as being the uh, bearer of the Green Lantern. He's the guy that Luthor has chosen being worthy enough to uh, lead this this mission. But basically, uh, they've made Hal Jordan into a more extreme version of John McCain. I mean, you know, the whole thing of being, the, you know, the crash Air Force pilot yeah. who's t- caught and tortured by the uh, Viet Cong. Which would have been extremely relevant when this book was released. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then... 2001, yeah. Yeah, they follow it up with basically uh, Jordan constructing by hand his own concentration camp in which to uh, imprison the, his, communi- his uh, communist captors from the war who he then eventually executes but yeah by hand by himself he built something the size of a football stadium so I guess that's just a, a, a testament to his willpower and why he's worthy of having the reign and you know as I, I would have probably preferred since this does start in the golden age I probably would have preferred Alan Scott in this role well you see yeah um, you do yeah they make reference to Scott uh, Kyle Rayner uh, Guy Gardner and John yeah. Stewart you see Pilot or Green Lantern. But, I mean, you have to think, too, in, what, 2003, the, the hard-on for Hal Jordan had reached, like, <laughs> monumental proportions. Had Rebirth come out by this point? I don't... This was around the time that we knew with we knew with Parallax something was happening. Right. So we were right on the cusp of it if we hadn't hit it already. People love Hal Jordan, man. God, they, they fucking love Hal Jordan. <laughs> so Lex Luthor just shows up in the Winter Palace, right? Well, we're, basically we're skipping over that. You find out that uh, because of the incident with Batman, uh, Wonder Woman's kind of uh, at, at odds with Superman. She sort of blames him for her current state. Which is a surprise to Superman because he thought everything was cool. Right. But, yeah, uh, fast forward and uh, Luther shows up in the uh, Winter Palace. And at that point, Superman feels like his hand is forced, right? Yeah, basically, this is the beginning of uh, more or less a last uh, last minute uh, invasion mm-hmm. of, of the U.S. upon or of Russia by the U.S. And the Brainiac sucks Lex Luthor up into the guts of uh, the Winter Palace to try to turn him into a super soldier, right? Right, you find out that uh, that a large scale attacks being led by Hal Jordan and that other Green Lanterns mm-hmm. have been conscripted to basically becoming the new Green Lantern uh, Corps, Corps. Yeah. the Marine Corps. 
Yeah, and um, they are about to lead an attack on Superman. We got um, Hal Jordan's, we got Scott, Stewart, Rainer, and Gardner. Right. Um, and then also the Amazon women force are flying against them as well. Superman beats up a bunch of the Green Lanterns pretty easily, and then he's pretty sad about um, the Amazon women, but he beats them up too, right? Yeah, yeah he makes short work of everybody, but he decides, you know what, Brandon was right. Uh, I try to be nice about this, but now America has forced my hand. I'm just going to go ahead and fight back and invade them. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one thing we skipped over is that Superman and Lex Luthor were about to talk but then Brainiac was like, nope, you're not allowed to talk to Lex Luthor because he's too smart for you, pal. Which is kind of sad. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. you dumb oaf. He's a, he's a level nine intelligence. He could get you to commit suicide in 14 minutes. So yeah. that's when he gets sucked up. And then... Uh, Away with you? Yeah. So Superman, Away with you. Superman flies Brainiac? to the White House and meets Lois Lane. And Lois Lane has a letter... For Superman, right? Written by Lex Luthor. Written by Lex Luthor, and Superman can't help but use his x-ray vision to look at Lois Lane for the letter. For science reasons, yes, of course. For political science reasons. And the letter says, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? Which I read as, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? (laughs) You big dummy. (laughs) And then he just loses it. I was, tears well up in his eyes and he collapses to the ground. Because yeah. he gets it. He, Wait. he just he understands what that sentence means to him and it's what he's been doing is he's been trying to control everything. Force people in forcing someone into peace is not peace. Through his, his force of will. But it's also a reference because he says earlier in the book that uh, almost called a Candor, uh, Stalingrad being shrunk by Brainiac was the one blemish upon his career despite all the good he's done that's the one aspect where he's really failed was to restore Stalingrad back to it and his people back to its normal size Mm -hmm. so it's a double whammy so then Superman orders Brainiac to end the invasion right but Brainiac reveals that uh, he actually wasn't reprogrammed and uh, he he was like man you really think I could be reprogrammed I'm like way smarter than level 9 I'm like a 10 or 11 and uh, Brainiac, he goes to eleven. <laughs> Brainiac level twelve, all the way to eleven, <laughs> and uh, and then shoots Superman with some like green. Um, I'm assuming that's kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, that that's supposed to be the kryptonite. One time, the one time we see it in this book. Yeah, he had a pocket full of it the whole time. Oh my god! If you. Wait, it sounded like you were doing third eye blind to me. Step out from the ledge, my No, friend. could be the one. <laughs> Somebody was. No. <laughs> no. So he's shut down by Luther, right? Brainiac from the inside, yeah. From the inside, Luther shut down from Brainiac on the inside, um, and triggers some failsafe that is going to make um, Brainiac explode all over Well, no, yeah, he accidentally (laughs) triggers it. You basically find that if Brainiac had this, yeah, failsafe that if he was ever shut down, that uh, basically a bomb would go off. Uh, His, uh, apparently Brainiac is powered by uh, six micro black holes 
and that was going to destroy the world. The world. So Superman, being the man who is super, flies that jam out in the space. Luther's like, "There's no way you can make it," and Superman's like, "Whatever, I'm Superman. I can do this." And uh, f- while he's like flying out, he's recording a message to Lex Luthor. Right? He's like, "Lex, you're not gonna hear this until after the explosion." But I just wanted to say, well played, sir. He calls him old friend. Old which, friend, yeah. I'm like, really? Can you call that guy? He bitter enemy. Well, wait a minute. Let, let's let's also point out that um, Superman's best friends up to this point has been Peter, who killed Stalin. And Jimmy Olsen, who's head of the CIA and actively trying to kill. And Wonder Woman, who he thought he was cool with, and tr- just tried to kill him. So, in in defense of and that, Brainiac. yes, and Brainiac, <laughs> the Lex, best friends ever. That in this comic kind of book, it is it is definitely Lex who is his best friend. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he has the closest relationship. Nobody understands him better. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we presume that uh, Superman is dead. The Earth is saved. And there's this really beefy epilogue. And there's a huge epilogue, which is the majority of uh, this comic, actually. Um, who would like to give us the epilogue summary? Amos? So, basically, it's presumed that Superman is defeated in, in this timeline. You know, that's kind of a good thing, since he was sort of a dictator. Uh, so Lex Luthor takes over and basically makes the whole world fantastic. Uh, the summary of all of his exploits are pretty hilarious. If I could find them. The thing uh, the cancer cancer, cancer was gone before too long and consigned to the AIDS consigned to the history books. <laughs> Diabetes, <laughs> blindness, and every inherited form of illness was eradicated by a man who invented a pill which meant human beings didn't even need sleep anymore. <laughs> by his 75th birthday, Luther had retired the conventional politicians and created a one-world government composed of artists, writers, philosophers, and scientists. And I love this uh, depiction of an artist who is also Very running feet. the world. But he's like, yeah, I've got a male sex symbol thing on my neck, and I look really silly. And a lot, of these, I- looking. Yeah. And a lot of these ideas came from Superman's notes or whatever. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then by the age of 120, the entire solar system had been colonized. The triple had replaced the couple, and the average man would live an incredible 800 years. Wait a minute. I missed that. The yeah. triple would the replace triple. the couple. We also... It's a much better system. I, sk- I skipped Balls. over the fact that he apparently wins the presidency by 101% of the vote. To this day, scientists and mathematicians are baffled by the result. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> It's that percentage of the population they weren't able to account for. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so rigged. <laughs> yeah, basically, Luther rigged an election. Um, so on it's the, gone full circle, and Lex Luther has become a communist dictator again by the end of it. But somehow right? people seem a lot happier. As this epilogue continues, on the cusp of the fourth millennium, as he laid uh, his fourth millennium, so now you've got 4,000-year-old Lex Luther. <laughs> As he lay dying in his cryo chamber with his dear wife beside him, he was asked by newsbots about his greatest accomplishment. <laughs> the answer was simple. He whispered, uh, replying without a moment's hesitation, defeating the alien, my boy. What in the world could possibly compare with saving my people from Superman? 
And with a smile on his face, I feel like I'm reading to a bunch of kids you like are. at Christmas or something. <laughs> and with May a smile on his face, Dr. Lex Luthor died. So he dies a hero. There's this big funeral, uh, and then you see Superman and his Clark Kent get up as, you know, standing off by the wayside. Turns out he didn't die. He's still the as same As he age. has been narrating this whole story. And then he walks off and... Uh, Lois Lane thinks she saw him, but doesn't right. say anything. And then you have this fast forward through millennia. And this is, this, I have to point out, this is my favorite yeah. part, Mean Day's favorite part. Most, well, one is a brilliant damn idea, but I have to point out that it was written, it was originally uh, created by Grant Morrison. And he gave the idea. It seems like a Grant Morrison. Oh, it's absolutely a Grant idea. So... The story more or less ends by giving a brief recap of like millennia of history, and you see the Earth's sun slowly going nova, I guess. It's become a red giant. And we see the society the Earth has become, and it's actually basically Krypton. You have um, Jor-El. Go ahead. Well, you find out the Lex Luthor's uh, progeny. Yeah, his, aunt, his descendants basically... Uh, the name of Luther continues, but then it shortens to just L. Yeah. So everyone's like Jordan L or Lana L or something like that. So if you're familiar with Superman comics, you will know what that means. Yeah. So basically, Superman is the great, 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 you know, on to infinity grandson or what have you of Lex Luthor in this storyline. So we're left with a scene familiar to Superman, to Superman fans where... We're given a time is, paradox. Yeah, the world is ending. Jor-El and Lana are putting their baby in a ship. They send their ship out into space as the Earth is destroyed. Uh, they send the ship back in time. And then last uh, couple pages, we see Ukraine, Russia, 1938, ship crashes into the ground and basically the entire story comes full circle and starts over again. Mm-hmm. So the we're giving yeah, we're giving the apes. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's a planet of the apes. What I'd like to say about the three comics is that I like how each comic is written and um, presented in the timeline that it takes place in. So the way the panels are set up, the the artwork kind of changes as time moves on. I think that's pretty neat. I like the presentation of Superman going from um, a, a communist um, to a dictator and what that has to say about communism in general. I think that's pretty cool. There's all these things that are much more than a, a comic book run, right. um, which, make, which for me makes up for a lot of the very comic booky stuff in it that doesn't enhance the plot. Mm-hmm. Because the plot is pretty simple but it's executed very well. Yep. This is uh, probably one of the books, like, you know, I run to a lot of people who say they don't like Superman or right. they don't understand the character. And this is on my list of, like, five Superman books to recommend recommend to anybody. Um, I mean, it's a very easy to grasp book. And it's, it's enough of a spin on the character. Like I said, we're reading Elseworlds. You just pretty much take the story for what it is. You don't have to get into all that backstory and history. I mean, it kind of helps, but at the same time, you can just accept it for what it is and enjoy it. And what can you do with a guy who's all-powerful? When you write a, write a story like this, 
right? You talk about what the downfalls of being so powerful are. It's the moment-to-moment Superman that's really boring to me, but the drawn-out kind of almost um, Frank Herbert, like over millennia or a long period of time story about Superman and his, his ability to um, understand change over much longer periods of time than what a normal person would, I think what really interests me about the character, which is why you know stories like this or All-Star Superman stick out to me so much, because there's so much internal conflict within Superman. Yeah. That's really where the conflict needs to be. Because Those he's not a best stories. Yeah. It's so not I, about what he does with his fists. It's about what he does with his head and his heart. And I know that sounds like the antithesis to a superhero comic, but that's how you make Superman work. Yeah. No, you gotta explore, well, you have, to, you have to exploit your character's weakness, and when your character has no physical weaknesses, you find weakness in relationships. Man, right. And this, that's what this did. Yeah. So, kudos to it. It is a really good book. This I is, like I said, it to anyone. Uh, one of my favorite endings to a comic book ever. Ever, it's so it's such a nice wrinkle at the end of like, and it's not like you don't the, see it coming. Either. You, you don't it's like good. it. Just kind of happens right there at the end, but it doesn't feel tacked on. It's yep. oh, of course, an eventuality. Um, Almost felt like a Lord of the Rings ending because it, the epilogue was it's long, it's but the, the, the last payoff. few pages, good payoff. Yeah, it's it's up there with me for with uh, All Star Superman and uh, Composite Superman from the Silver Age, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> Amos, any last words? Well, I don't want to drag it out too much, but I I am not a big fan of the way it ends. Oh, yeah, no, I know. Well, well, <laughs> poo poo on us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I think anytime you end a story with it's a pretty self-contained story up mm-hmm. to I mean it does span like fifty years, but it doesn't feel sprawling. But then you add on millennia after that uh i don't know i just thought the whole i also hate lex Luthor. Uh, <laughs> rightly so I, I i didn't like the way this story ended from basically the point where lex Luthor wins the day nothing from that point on so you just don't like the lex Luthor one well it's not just that it's, it's also that i just thought this whole bringing it full circle thing didn't contribute to the story I mean it's a nice idea and it gives the book some sense of uh, completeness but but I, I don't think that ending says anything about the story overall it does not it, it is a neat yeah. literal device I, w- I might have liked it maybe a little more if the Superman that comes back through time was the main continuity Superman, and you see him landing in Kansas. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, just something to tie it into yeah, the. That would be cool. Yeah, they, 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 if he would have landed in Kansas, that would have been cooler. Yeah. I agree. But I didn't hate it because I do. I, I mean, how would have happened? That's why we been Well, I really into. I, I really think into a story uh, like this. Into space time. So. Yeah. I think with a story like this, if we're like, well, wait, that doesn't make sense. That's true. Um. Yeah, overall, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one. I've liked this story a long time. Uh, and I do. I've always been a big Superman fan, which I feel like there are five of us left. Uh, <laughs> this They're is, writing those books for somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't have complaints about the story as a whole. I, I think it's very well paced, which is hard to do in a lot of comic book uh, series. I don't think Planet Hulk is as well paced. No. Uh, even though I think it's a great story too, so 
you know, I think it's a very strong story, but I've always thought that this ending was a little out of place for the overall. Okay, well then, moving moving into the list, where would you put it? I have to turn my tablet back on. I I can say where I'd put it. I'd put it number two. I'd put it above Starlight. Mm. The characters are more iconic. The feel of the of the book is like it definitely gets you, I guess, more involved. Starlight's fantastic, but I mean, this is this to me is just a more realized book. I think much longer in the making. True, <laughs> true. Um, I think my criteria when it comes to this list is stuff that I see myself revisiting, either mm-hmm. rereading it outright or just opening up the book to look at the panels or art or pages or whatever. I agree. I would put. I would go. I would put um, Red Sun under Starlight at uh, three. Uh, um, above Planet Hulk. What about you, Amos? Well, when it all comes down to Amos one more yeah, time. Yeah, I don't know, man. I do, I do really like this story. I like Starlight a lot, too. What feels weird to me is, is putting it at, in this place in the ranking as we're kind of pushing Planet Hulk down in mm-hmm. our ranking, and I really like Planet Hulk. Yeah. But um, well, we the only book, the only two books that we have no, uh, Prophet was better. The only book that we've read that we've hated is Civil War, so right. that's why. Like, right. I mean, it's all been really good stuff for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say I like this one. I mean, because I'm a pretty big Superman fan, I, I would put this above Starlight. Okay. So maybe we're tied on we're that. Tied in the middle. So it's one, two, two, four, five, six. Let's yeah, both pretty two. much. Yeah. Well, I both of them. Who cares? <laughs> Well, yeah, and I guess that's the thing about Red Sun is that it's probably one of those rare instances where, you know, this is 2003, so this would have been, like, Millard possibly doing Ultimates Volume 2. Yeah. Which was still him sort of at his also, cinematic but cynical best. Yeah, I was going to say, also took just as long, took also 10 years to be fully realized. <laughs> Brian Hitch. <laughs> I, can't, I can't have a list of face drawer. Two. Let's just, let's make it number two. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I want to I mean, I I put them pretty equal to each other, but I don't want to have to come back to this list later and be like, why do we have two number twos? So let's <laughs> go for it. All right, guys. Thank you for a good conversation and introducing me to um, some Supermans. I look forward to reading a little bit more DC. Not sure what we're going to be reading next. We'll figure it out for our next podcast. But from the comic truck guys to everyone listening, have a good day and enjoy them comics. I love.